Let's do it. And welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? Well, where our podcasters would be. That's right. Well, I would say the majority of them would be. <laughs> <laughs> Local folks just listen right here on the radio. There you go. <laughs> they don't have to go through all that. But actually, that podcast signal is a better signal than you're getting over the radio right number one it's a digital signal number two all the commercials are aired out hey i like that <laughs> that's right there's a big advantage to that got a question just go ahead and give us a call let's be glad to try to help you out and point you right in the right direction just in case you don't get a chance to call in this morning or something that should occur to you during the week right you can always visit our website that's and right. get your questions answered there mm-hmm. the address is www.agcoauto.com Easy way to remember that's Altazan's Garage Company. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night and get your questions back in 24 hours. Use the form on the website so it'll get to us. And there's also uh, several other databases you can search on the site also. Oh, there's piles of things. You have a vehicle questions, which is a short, to-the-point answer to a direct question. For instance, what does the letters on a can of oil mean? Mm-hmm. What does W in the 5W30? Yeah, what does that W mean? Well, there's an answer to that right there. Now, if you want to know more about oil, and there's what is viscosity, how does it work, what kind of oil should I use, how often should I change my oil, why don't you go to the detailed topic section? And that's going to be a much longer article, somewhere between probably 500,000 words with photographs or pictures illustrations that'll give you a lot more in-depth information on exactly how all the topics work and put one on there this morning on trailer and mobile home tires okay and what kind of brought that to my attention we've got a pretty good customer who called me last week and he wanted to know we could check the frame on his truck when he gets it out the body shop i said yeah what happened you got in wreck well he says towing my travel trailer and a tire blew out on it and it actually got out of control because of his tire blowing out, totaled the trailer, and messed his truck up pretty bad. Wow. Luckily, no one was hurt. But it kind of brought to mind the fact that so many travel trailers and motor homes, and folks just don't get to use them as much as they'd probably like to. Right. I mean, you may put four or 5,000 miles a year on it. So that set of 10 or 12-ply tires is probably going to last a long, oh, long yeah. time before it wears out. Oh, eight Six, eight years, easy. Oh, easy, easy. And what can happen is that six years is about the safe life of a tire. It starts to deteriorate. The glued holes together breaks down. So we're looking at a set of tires here that are naturally expensive, and there's a lot of them. Right. And we're looking at them, and we've got probably half or more of the rubber left on it. It's awful hard to get rid of that tire. It is. It really is. <laughs> but you really, really have to do yourself a favor and think beyond that because you can get hurt, and you could possibly hurt someone else real seriously by driving one of these things down the interstate with old tires on it. That right. tire can blow out and kill somebody. 65, 70 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of weight to come loose. It's a time bomb waiting to happen, so... What I did is put some illustrations on, some more information on how to check your tires, how to know how old your tires are. Of course, that applies to cars and pickups as well. Correct. But particularly, this article is slanted towards the motorhome and travel trailer And the, the travel trailer tire is going to be a different kind of tire yeah, than a, a regular passenger car tire. That is a tire. truck tire, which is made totally different than a passenger car tire. Correct. There's also article in there or, or information in there on checking valve stems and all that sort of thing as well. So right. pretty good article. Might want to pop on there and see what you think about it. Tons of other good things you can do on there. Of course, you can go on the Agco Quick Quiz, win an Agco T-shirt. Right. We'll get that shipped out to you. And just 
more things on there than I can even begin to talk about. <laughs> I, I, I indexed that site the other night, and it was like 1.2 million words of text. Wow. So, That's huge. <laughs> yeah, that it's huge. a lot of information there. So pop on there, see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. We think you'll really like it. And we're going to our phone lines. We have got Doug online. Good morning, Doug. Hey, good morning, Liz. And yes, how are you on this beautiful Louisiana morning? Gorgeous, gorgeous day. Let me ask you a question sure. very quickly. Uh-huh. My son has a 2004 Chevy Aveo, yes, and mm-hmm. I've had it checked, and the computer says there's no codes. Okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Okay. But as he's going down the road, before it warms up, mm-hmm. it just stops. And okay. if he pulls off this coast to the side of the road, okay. it starts back up again, maybe a minute or two. Yeah, how often does and that it, happen, Doug? It's, in, it's infrequent, yeah. and I've been keeping a log of it. Yeah. The conditions and everything. Yeah, Doug, something like that that's infrequent is going to be almost impossible for anybody to fix. The reason being, if the computer is not catching it, and it's sort of a, I guess people are so used to computers being so good, and they are really good, but they can only catch certain things. Other things, mechanical things, for instance, they cannot catch. It's just They don't have sensors on that. They have no idea what's going on. They, yeah. they know the car died, but they don't know why. So with nowhere to go and with it happening infrequently, it is very unlikely a shop would be able to recreate it. I mean, all you can do is spend a whole lot of money and get real frustrated by bringing it to shops. Right. The only thing you're going to be able to do is to wait until it becomes a little more frequent or try to establish some type of a pattern or something that occurs when it happens. Right. Certainly some of the things that we see that cause that, sometimes the connections at the fuel pump get burned because the fuel yeah. pump's drawing a little too much amperage. It'll make good contact 99% of the time, but every once in a while the connection will get a little hot and it'll open and boom, it'll die. Since the air cools off, it'll come back. Camshaft sensor, crankshaft sensor can do the same thing, but I mean, there is basically on and on and on and on. You will run out of money way before you run out of guesses. Let me ask you this, Lewis. Yes, I, mm-hmm. that, that's the first thing I thought. Well, it's the third thing I thought, mm-hmm. actually. But mm-hmm. I thought that little screen, that little strainer screen on the fuel pump possibly could be plugging up or, you know, or at intervals. Is that, there a way that I That is a possibility. Yes sir. yes, sir. You could put a fuel pressure gauge on it. But, again, if it only happens once every three weeks, you'd have to drive around until it happens. Because right. if you read the fuel pressure when it's not occurring, it's just going to say it's, it's good. Right. I see. You see, and so you could strap a fuel pressure gauge and then go drive it, but if it's not happening, now what? Yeah. You drive around for three weeks and, and nothing I happens. See. So, I mean, you could basically test for any possible condition. The problem is all the tests in the world are only going to say it's okay. As long as it's working, as it's all going to check out. Now, one thing you might just try, Doug, just because it wouldn't cost you very much money and it would be fairly easy to do, is to go pull the fuel filter off. And once you get the fuel filter off, get a glass jar and empty the inlet side of that filter into that glass jar. Okay. And see if there's a lot of rust or scale or water or anything in that fuel filter. That would give you more indication. Now, if it comes back and there's a bunch of rust in that filter or there's some water in that filter, well, now the next step would be, okay, I've got enough evidence here to justify the risk of go ahead and pull the tank or at least pull okay. the fuel, filter, fuel pump. Sure. Now you've got your fuel pump out, look down the tank with a flashlight, and you can see if there's any water in there. Okay. But I wouldn't want to go to the expense of doing all that with no – because that is a possibility, right. but it's only one of hundreds. 
Are you talking about the inline filter? Yes, sir. There's an inline I was filter. I talking about the screen filter only. Well, you can't right. get to that. That's inside the tank. But, see, if it's going through that screen and stopping it up, it's going to be some of the filter on the inline also. Well, that's true. So that gives you a little more evidence before you just jump off and go do something. Now, when you do that, you're going to have to let that fuel mixture sit in that jar for an hour or so right. so it'll separate, separate out. Uh, Okay, you can't you I can't see. just dump it in there yeah, and look at it. Jump out, it's gonna look okay. Right. Maybe you a little gotta cloudy, let it but you let it sit and it separates out and there's some water in the fuel. Well, yeah, now we got enough evidence to justify dropping the fuel pump out and looking in the tank. Ah, that's why they call you the mechanical there guru. You go. Huh? That's right. <laughs> All right. They call me the, the automotive Einstein with a southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> look, I really appreciate it. All righty, man. Okay, y'all take it easy. Okay, Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Right, bye-bye. Bye. Yep, there you go. <laughs> That's a interesting problem, and that is a problem that occurs a lot, and people tend to get real frustrated with that. And if you call an honest shop, that's one way to tell if you're dealing with an honest guy or not. He's going to tell you. There's no use to bring it in. There's right. nothing I can do. And if you call a shyster, oh, yeah, well, there's some stuff we can do. Bring. Well, he's going to sell you $1,000 stuff. You still have the same problem. Exactly. Because if it, it does not occur. It, and, it can't be checked for it if it's not occurring. Right, and I am absolutely wasting your time. You are paying for my time, which is expensive, Right, and I'm not giving you any value for your money. Right, like well, you say, it's best to wait till it starts acting up on a constant basis oh yeah. or it just flat quits. Right, I get people, man, they get mad at you when you tell them that. Right. Well, what am I supposed to do? Well, no. <laughs> well, drive it till it quits. Yeah, drive it till it quits. Well, I'm scared to drive Well, I don't know. There's no other answer. Right. It's got to be acting up to be fixed. That's right, because... You can do all the tests in the world. I can put every machine, every device, put the top 10 graduating class of MIT on this vehicle, and they're not going to find this problem if it's not occurring. Correct. Because you cannot look inside of all these electrical circuits <laughs> and see which one's going to exactly. give you a problem. So you, you just have to be understanding about it. And I know it's frustrating. It is. But it really an is. An honest man is just going to tell you that up front. Like I said, a shyster is going to go in and sell you a bunch of junk that you don't need. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's try an injector flush. Right. Let's, let's try a wallet flush. Yeah, yeah. How about our transmission flush? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to our phone lines. Got Robert online. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Mr. Hutchinson. Yes, sir. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I got a question for you. I got a 98 Blazer. It's pretty low miles. It's got uh-huh. 4.3 Vortec in it. Okay. And I got about 120,000 miles. Okay. So I got a connecting rod knocking on the crankshafts. That's kind of unusual on that engine. Are you sure it's a rod knocking or is it just Not noise? A- well, it's, it's pretty loud. It quiet, quiets down after it runs for about five, ten minutes. That's probably not a rod then, Robert, because normally the a rod, rod is going to get louder yeah. as it runs. Because right. the oil is going to thin out more. You may have another problem going on there. Yeah, I would I be sure dive. I got that diagnosed real close before. I wouldn't dive straight off into it. I'm going to tell you one thing, Robert, that sounds exactly like that. And it's very common. We get people in all the time asking how much is the motor, how much is the motor. And what we find is a cracked flex plate on the engine. The flex plate on the back of the crankshaft, what will happen if for any reason the transmission and the engine are not perfectly aligned? And one of the most common things is somebody pulled the transmission out at one time or another and one of those little dial pins fell out or got pushed back in the engine. Now it's not perfectly aligned. The flex plate flexes too much and it cracks. And I mean, it goes clunk, 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 clunk. Sounds just like a rod. Yeah, you rev it up. Sounds just like a rod. And we get that constantly. And... What you can do to test for that is go in, drop that little shield cover off in the front of the bell housing, rotate your flex plate around, take the bolts out of the torque converter, and just push the torque converter back into the transmission. It'll slide back about an inch. Then crank it up to see if the noise is different or gone. 
All right. Because I tell you, that happens. That's... In fact, last week on my detailed topics, there's an article on that with pictures and everything else. You might want to pop on the website, go down to detailed topics, read that second article, and it tells you all about that. But that's very commonly misdiagnosed as a rod knock. I can tell yeah, you, on a Chevrolet six-cylinder motor, that's basically a 350 Chevy engine with two of the cylinders cut off. In 40 years of working on those engines, I have probably not seen one or two bad rods, and that was where somebody ran it out of all. Now, will that quiet down after it's running for a little while? It could. It could just get a shiny spot on it. It could rub in. You know, they do all kind of weird stuff. You know, who knows why well, the noise changes. But and it's worth the time yeah. to do the diagnosis yeah. on it. Well, you're talking about because, half, half an hour. How long does well, it take to get the paint off that Half thing? hour in a shop. It takes couple hours on the driveway right, right but still a lot less time than pulling an oil pan to check right. that rod and a lot less expensive than an engine now if you want to check for a rod particularly if you got any idea which rod it is you can take and remove the wire off the fuel injector on each cylinder one at a time okay mm-hmm. and when you remove the fuel injector wire off the cylinder with a bad rod normally that noise is going to diminish considerably because it's no longer firing on that cylinder so you reduce the pressure on the cylinder all right. Got, it sounds it, like the noise itself sounds like it's coming from the uh, from the oil pan. That's why I was thinking it was. It does. Well, yeah. that, that's where it comes from when it's a flex plate too, right. though. So what you do is just remove the wires off the fuel injectors one at a time, and whenever you hit the one that's bad, and if you can remove all six of those wires one at a time with the engine running, and there's no change in the noise, it is not right. All right. Well, thank you very much. Alrighty. Good luck to you, right. man. Bye bye. Hi, we're going to take a quick little break, but hey, we're going to be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. That's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. It winds. So lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh, my sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. But you, Denise, you're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end. I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right, and it saves money in the long run. Ooh, but the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little halfwits in one place. <laughs> Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco. It's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Please join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? I appreciate hearing from you. Go ahead and just give us a call. That last call, I'm glad you pointed that out to me during the break. Brian pointed out that that truck has probably a central port injection so you can't unplug the injectors individually on Right. They're all underneath the intake assembly, the upper intake assembly. They call it the spider assembly spider is what assembly, they call right. it. So, and it's just a pop it right. out on the end, and the, the, the valve in the center. is in the center with a, so a big ma- central plug. What you have to do on that one, take the spark plug wire off to kill the cylinder. Correct. And you can do that one at a time. Now, a couple of real important points there is that when you remove the spark plug wire, the spark goes away, but the gas, the injector still fires. Right. So, so you're we getting... got raw gas going in the catalytic converter. So Correct. you only do that for a few seconds. Give it 
about 30 seconds between trials. So to, to burn that right, excess get fuel that out. Gas out. You start dumping a bunch of excessive gas, you end up cooking a catalytic converter real fast. Oh, yeah, you wipe it out. And, bigger you problem know, on your hands. $1,000. Right. That's the reason why I didn't recommend pulling the plug wires off. I know it's a lot Correct. easier, but you have to be so careful doing that. because Some of your scan, some of your factory scan tools will kill the injectors. One at a time. One at a time, so you can check for stuff like that. Right, which is a very, very, very handy feature. Of course, if you don't have a factory scan tool, you kind of right. get you it know. there. <laughs> Let's go back to our phone lines with Dinah. Good morning, Dinah. Dina. That's Dina, I'm sorry. Yes, Good ma'am. Morning. Good morning. How are you? Uh, fine, thanks. I'm calling about my 2004 Toyota Camry. Okay. That air conditioning, the little light. Yes, ma'am. blinking. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does it blink at any specific time, like after running through water or anything? No, the mud puddle no. Or just all the time? No, it's, well, it, it's intermittent. Yeah. And then if you turn it off. Mm-hmm. For, yeah, and it'll let go it away. Rest for a little while, and exactly. Then you turn it back on. It seems to be affected by the heat, possibly. Well, probably is. What that is, Dean, the clutch on the AC compressor is slipping. Uh huh. What that light indicates is a sensor in that AC clutch, and there's no sensor on the crankshaft, and it compares the speed of the two, and it knows how fast it's supposed to be turning. Uh huh. So if one is turning slower than the other, it starts to flash that light to warn you that you have a problem there. It's going to end up causing damage. Okay. Now. A couple of things can make it do that. The simplest thing would be a belt that's slipping. And the belt slips. That's why I asked about the mud puddle. Sometimes what happens if you run through a water puddle, it'll start doing that because the belt will slip. Uh-huh. Uh, if that's not the case, more likely it's going to be the clutch itself on the compressor. Now, okay. real important that you get that taken care of right away. Because okay. if you catch it real soon, sometimes it's as simple as removing a shim from below the drive plate, tightening the gap on the clutch, and stopping it. Okay. If you let it go to its inevitable conclusion, at very least, it will burn up an AC clutch, which is about a six or $700 repair, uh, and it can very quickly escalate into a new compressor, which okay. can be about a twelve, fourteen hundred $1,400 repair. Okay. So you could go from a yeah. eighty or ninety dollar repair okay. up to fourteen hundred dollars pretty darn quick. <laughs> okay. Okay. But that's what that indicates is that we got okay. some slippage and lights trying to warn you, hey, we got a problem here. Okay. And is that something that only the dealer can do? Oh, absolutely no, not. Okay. Absolutely not. Agco can do absolutely anything okay. on that car. Okay. All righty. Okay. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Your show. Yes, thank ma'am. You. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Hi, right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd certainly love to have you. So that's a question you never ask an independent shop owner. <laughs> 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 you know, it's really, I don't know where that, I guess the advertising, you know, I do, you know, factory trained experts, but if you ever worked in a dealership, you'd never have that opinion again. Or if you ever worked in an independent shop, you'd never have that opinion again. Right. Almost any good independent shop can do absolutely anything that any dealership can do. A lot of times folks are surprised. They'll say, well, I didn't know y'all did power windows. I thought just deal. No, no, no. I know y'all could pull a dash out. I didn't know y'all work under the dash. I know you could reprogram a computer. Right. A good independent shop can do absolutely anything in a dealership. And that's the key word, a good, good. independent that's right. shop. That's right. A dealership is nothing more than a guy who bought a franchise to sell cars. That shop is run exactly like any other shop. He hires exactly the same people. He's uh-huh. got the same tooling. He's got the same training. He's got everything is exactly the same as any other shop. If he is good and runs a good shop, you got a good dealership shop. Correct. If he is a jerk or a crook, you got a crooked or a jerk shop. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely no different. It's just a guy who bought a franchise to sell cars. Right. In other words, when you're looking at a dealership, you're not looking at Chevrolet. You're not looking at Ford. You're not looking at Toyota. You're looking at a guy who bought a franchise to sell those cars. And he pretty much runs that car, that shop exactly how he wants. Now, under warranty, he does have to use factory parts and some stuff like that. Other than that, he may choose to use aftermarket parts in your car. Right. Nobody regulates custom, customer paid work. He can charge what he wants. He can do what he wants. He can operate in any manner that he wants. 
It's just like any other shop, except that it's got a dealership name attached to it. There you go. So I'm not saying anything's bad about them. I'm not saying anything's good about them. I'm just saying don't ever give any extra credence to, well, it's a dealership. Right. Right. If you find one that you like, that oh, you get along with, absolutely. it's great. Just like, just like <laughs> Please. in a shop. Yeah. That's right. It's just Use as good as any. But it, we had a guy come in not too long ago with a Ford product, and he had a misfire. And Jeff checked the car. He had a bad spark plug wire. And they were clearly aftermarket plug wires, defective plug wire. Uh-huh. And I told him, I said, well, it's going to need new plug wires. Well, I just had those plug wires changed. I said, yeah, but you used aftermarket wires, and they just didn't hold up. He's no, no, I had to done a dealer. I said, well, sir, I'm sorry, but you've got aftermarket plug wires on. Right, these are not factory plug wires. Right, and he said, I'm telling you, they charged me for OEM wires. I said, well, I don't know about that. I'm just telling you, these got a parts store name written across the side of the wire <laughs> in the bright blue. You know? yeah. It's not the Motocraft wire. And when he brought his invoice up there to me, he showed me, and they had it itemized out with the Ford part number on it. Really? And at the Ford list price. Oh, Oh yeah, that, that's now wild. I don't know if they just couldn't get the right wire and maybe just maybe to go maybe back had a mix price. up. Yeah, <laughs> that's wrong. Yeah, but I'm here to tell you that happened, yeah. and that can happen anywhere. But you always want to be sure, no matter where you go, no matter what kind of shop you're going to, you want to have a clear understanding about a couple of things because you can assume a lot of stuff, and you might assume they're going to use original equipment parts, but unless you ask that specifically. Is this original equipment parts? And sometimes there are parts that are better than original equipment. Correct. And good shops do make substitutions at times. But as a general rule, very general rule, most time the OEM part is going to be the better part for the car. Sure. When you come to something like a brake rotor, some of the OEM brake rotors are trash. We've had bad, bad luck with Ford rotors, for instance. Uh-huh. We'll substitute a good brand of aftermarket on that because it's better. We've had just as good luck with them, and they're less expensive. All right. And then on the upside, on mm-hmm. the downside, brake pads. Yeah, brake pads brake have pads, got to be OEM. I, I, I have got a five-gallon bucket oh, yeah. full of new aftermarket brake pads oh, yeah. that just either make noise, they didn't stop right. Right. There was always a problem with them. Right. A full five-gallon bucket. Oh, yeah. The OEM is the only way to go on brake pads and stuff like that. Now, another thing is like on front-end parts, a lot of times we use the Moog part because Correct. I have found it to be a superior part to the original part. Right. Most times, they're heavier design. They they're usually have a grease fitting on them where you can grease them if you, you need to. Right. Just a real, real excellent part. And sure as I say that, Moog will get sold out to a <laughs> Chinese company next week. And <laughs> yeah. Then we'll be... Uh, yeah, uh, I'll have to do a retraction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As it stands today. <laughs> right. As of right now. Yeah. That is a superior part. It now, is. sometimes they do cost more than the original equipment parts, but it's worth well, if paying you're the a, extra money. If you're getting a better part, that's right. it's worth it. That's right. Some cars have a problem. Some of your Ford trucks had trouble with the ball joints in them wearing out. Right. You bring get them in 70,000, 80,000 miles, ball, ball joints for slam, slam out. out. Right. I'm not going to put another. You know, I don't want to get 70,000 miles. I want the guy to get 170 or 270,000 more. Correct. So we'll substitute the Moog part and tell him, hey, about every second or third oil change, get them scorches a little bit of grease in there. Right. Don't over-grease it. Just enough to make them to swell the boot a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just a little bit, and it's going to last you long as you want to drive this truck. That's right. I know my brother-in-law has a F-250, and his came in about 60,000 miles, had a knocking noise in the front end. Right. And ball joints wore slam out in it. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. And we swapped them out, put the moogs in there. Of course, he's, I don't know how many miles gone now, but he ain't never had more for any trouble. I hadn't seen it back. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, so everything got to be doing pretty darn good. That's it. Let's see if we can catch one more call for the break. we got Sally online. Good morning, Sally. 
Good morning. Yes, Good morning. I have a 2011 Hyundai. Okay. And I have a musty smell okay. that is coming from the vent. Yes, ma'am. And I know what I diagnosed it as, but I don't <laughs> <laughs> That is normally some moisture is being held inside of that the little, what do you call it, evaporator tray in there. Uh-huh. And it gets a little mildew in it, and you start to get that musty kind of a smell. That can be real tough to get out. You should still be under warranty on that, aren't you, Sally? Yes, yes. I would bring it back to the dealership and just tell them what you have. And well, you know what the dealership told me? Oh, I can imagine. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, probably, all, they I all do that? <laughs> I probably have a dead squirrel in there. Oh, a dead squirrel? Uh-huh. How did a dead squirrel get in your air conditioner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But, um... <laughs> now, what happens, it gets... If it holds moisture, like, for instance, if the drain is partially restricted, it's holding some moisture, mm-hmm. it's dark, it's warm, bacteria is going to form. Yeah, it's a perfect breeding area for bacteria. Right. If you had a dead squirrel, you would not be able to go even close to it. the car. <laughs> I know what a dead squirrel smells like. Exactly. <laughs> what you could do on your own, Sally, that's uh-huh. going to help, if not fix it, take and roll all the windows down, uh-huh. put the air conditioner on high. Uh-huh. Now, get something like Febreze That's exactly or what I was Lysol. Uh-huh. Put your air conditioner on fresh air. Uh-huh. Then go down to the base of the windshield mm-hmm. and just spray that, and you'll see it sucking in. Oh, really? Yes, ma'am. Now, let it suck in for maybe 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Then go ahead and turn the car off uh-huh. and just let it sit. Uh-huh. Okay, that way it's kind of in there and the antibacterial properties can go in and kind of do it. You may have to do it a couple of times. Now, this is at the windshield. At the base of the windshield. Okay. You know what those little slats are? Yes. Like a little grill? That's yes. the fresh air That's intake the fresh air for intake. the air conditioner. Now, you can't be on recirculate. You have to put it on fresh air okay. or whatever setting uh-huh. that draws the air from the outside. But if mm-hmm. you do that and you let it sit for a while, maybe repeat it, a lot of times that will help. If it doesn't, what they're going to need to do is they're going to have to go in and either pull the blower motor out or pull the cabin filter out or something where they can get I access. Did, I, I did change my cabin filter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of on the opposite side. of That's mm-hmm. where the air is going in, though. Mm-hmm. So you've already got mm-hmm. a problem. But if they take that out and get in there, there's some professional chemicals you can buy that are very, very powerful. They don't sell them to individuals because they're very toxic. Mm-hmm. But they can put something like that in there and it'll kill that bacteria. Okay. They also need to find out why it's holding moisture. Okay. Make sure the drain is not stopped up partially. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so All very right. much. Okay, so, hey, look, as soon as the show is over, I will go out and start my job. There you there go. You go. <laughs> okay. Thank Bye-bye. you so much. Thank Bye-bye. you, ma'am. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Hello, you must be Glenda de Goodwich. Uh, relax on the couch and tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I'd just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate, and if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues, uh, but for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive. They'll check out your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and let you know about future repairs. Sad ways, there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked. A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo! 
that little witch might not be so good after all. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? And we've got Randy online. Good morning, Randy. Hey, how are we doing today? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Good. I have a series of questions about the same car. My wife has a 2008 Honda Civic. Okay. We bought it brand new from the dealer. Uh-huh. The car has a little over 25,000 miles Okay, on it. okay. The dealer's telling me that I need to have the outside air filter change, which I do agree with that. Okay. He's telling me I need to have that inside air cabin filter change. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. It's probably due at 25,000. Okay. Can I, is that something I could do myself? Oh, sure. Yeah, it's not okay. hard. Okay. It, it's right up underneath the dash, probably under the glove compartment or what? I'm trying to think. They moved them. Somewhere around there. Yeah, One I, of them, you got to take the glove box out, and then there's a reinforcement bar. You've got to take it out, and then there's a plastic piece behind it has to be cut the first time the filter's changed. Yeah. Okay. But I'm not sure if that was the Civic or the Accord. I thought that was an earlier model. It may have been. What it did is that dash had that cutout where the airbag and all went, so when they shipped them to the factory, if they didn't have something across there, the dash could have broke. So they put a plastic reinforcement when they made the dash. Once it's bolted in, that's not needed any longer, so you cut that out, and then you can just get right to it. But I think that was on an earlier model, and Randy, you might look in the owner's, owner's manual. manual. Yeah. It'll probably give you instructions. Does, it doesn't say anything? No, it doesn't say anything about it. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, go anything. on the Internet and just Google something like cabin air filter. There was a site at one time that used to sell cabin air filters, and right. they had detailed instructions on every car I've mm-hmm. ever seen in there. Okay. On how they work. If you can't find it, send me an email. I'll look it up in service data for you, and I'll send it over to you. Okay, is there a maintenance, like a maintenance light that I'm going to have to maybe reset the book again? Didn't say anything about that. I know there's one. There is on most cars, and that's fairly simple reset procedure. Again, I'd have to look it up for that exactly one because every car is different. But as a general rule, you put your little odometer on the regular mileage, turn the key off, press the reset button, turn the key back on, and hold that button until it comes up and blinks, and that resets it. Yeah, it gives me how to reset it for the all, and I was just wondering if I think that it's would the be same possible. reset. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's, all, it's all yeah. one thing. Okie dokie. All, all right. right. Well, appreciate it, man. Okay, Randy. Right. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right. All right. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we got Jay online. Good morning, Jay. Uh, good morning. I've got a 2006 Mountaineer, uh-huh. and, or it's my wife's car. Mm-hmm. Recently, we had a 60,000 service done on it. Okay. Anyway, since they had that done, one of the things that they did was about $1,000 service on the transmission. Wow. okay. There wasn't any issues. It just schedule said that was the time to do it. And anyway, now there are some issues. There. Yeah. Like, like things are slipping. Yeah. Jay, don't mention any names. We'll get in trouble doing that. But no, no, I didn't, I didn't what mean. a lot of folks do, a lot of shops, do what they call a flush on the transmission. And what a flush is, they hook a little machine up to the two cooler lines, and the dirty fluid goes in one, and clean fluid goes back in the other, and they run clean fluid through it, and then they turn it off. And then They call that a service. Now, in my opinion, that is an absolute waste of time. And may cause even more trouble. Can create problems, but it's very profitable to the shop that does it. Now, a proper service, you're supposed to drop the pan, take the filter off, replace the filter, torque the valve body bolts, inspect the inside, adjust the bands, put the pan back on. But, see, that takes a skilled technician. It takes time. And so 
it could be that if they did a flush, they may have plugged the filter or something up because you've got some debris in the bottom of that pan, and when you start flushing fluid through it, you can stir the debris up, which can plug the filter, which can make it start slipping, which can burn the transmission up. May have also put the wrong fluid back in. Could have put the wrong fluid. Maybe all kind of things could have happened. I guess... Is the check engine light coming on, Jay, or the transmission no, light, the no. overdrive light flashing? Nothing except that when you start off, mm-hmm. low gear, or, you know, just yes, sir. easing away, it's like things slip. And when you take off, accelerate from a, a stoplight, yes, it doesn't have the pickup. I mean, you know, it's you know what I, hesitation. You know what I bet you is happening there, Jay? It's probably not transmission slipping, although it feels like it, because normally... On a 2006, if the transmission slips, it's going to catch it. It's going to kick a check engine light or a transmission light on. Okay. Probably what you got is a little mild engine misfire. And when that engine misfires, you're going to get that hesitation, and you're going to kind of press the pedal. It's not going to go. It's going to feel like the transmission slipping because we get that all the time. Okay. Now, it could be if it wasn't doing it before the service and it is after, they may have bumped the wire, knocked the wire off or something like that while they were servicing it. Eventually, I think a check engine light is going to pop on, but a Ford has got to catch an awful lot of misfires before it shows it. Now, even before it does show that misfire, you can go in with a scan tool and you can go to a cylinder balance test and you can pick it up on that even before it sets check engine light. And I'll bet you, you probably got something like, Either they knocked the wire loose, possibly ignition call is going bad or something along those lines. Because we get that in all the time. In fact, i got a Mercury Montego in the shop right now. A lady brought it in for a transmission problem. Couldn't find out the airflow meter was bad. But it felt like a transmission. And i got to say, it did feel like that. But it was a bad mass airflow sensor on her. So, yeah, you might want it. I mean, since you paid so much money, I'd take it back to them first and say, okay, guys, here's the deal. Wasn't doing this before. I want you just to check it and let me know what it is. If it's related to the work you did, I want you to take care of it. Now, I don't want you to go do any more work without calling me and letting me know first because I may not want you to do any more work on it. Well, things change, and I'm glad to get that report on it because I didn't know what the fix would be. Mm -hmm. We just don't want it to go on like that. Absolutely. You don't want to ever let anything like that go on because it's always going to manifest as a worse problem down the road. The other thing is... uh, Sometime this year, she had some brake work done, mm-hmm. rear brakes or something. And guess what? They squeal now. Oh, Lord. You back them about that. Oh, they all do. Uh, no. Ah, no, they all don't do i tell you that. what you do. Go over there you know, with new cars and say, I want to test drive that one. And go drive. So, you know, these brakes don't squeal. And since they all do it, this one must be broke. So, could you break mine like this? Because I like that better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, thank you, guys. Okay, Jay. We'll see you. Thank, thank you. you, sir. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. I think we can squeeze one more in before the break. We got Ralph on the line. Good morning, Ralph. Hey, how you doing, guys? Doing Good great, morning. sir. Hey, listen, I have a GMC 88 S15 little pickup. Yes, sir. I bought to go back and forth to work with about a couple miles. Uh-huh. Uh, it's got a standard transmission. Okay. When I brought it home, I had a few things I wanted to get fixed on, and my son-in-law talked me into a neighbor across the street that works at a shop. Okay. And one of the things the guy pointed out to me was the differential had a little bit of dampness on it, so he said it was leaking. Okay. So he's going to add that to the thing to fix. So when he come home, it was actually leaking on the ground that I could see seepage coming out on, on puddles on, the, on my driveway. Is it leaking up by the drive shaft, Ralph, or, uh, or is it leaking I, back by the cover? Really, I don't really know. I sent it back to him, and he took it back. And it came back again. He said it hadn't really leaked that much. There wasn't really leaking enough to, to be concerned about it. But he, I thought he fixed it, but it's still leaking. 
Yeah, you, well, you want to be real careful there, Ralph. On the yeah. there's there's basically four places that a, that a rear differential can leak. Two of them are out by the two axles, left and right. Yeah. There's two seals out there, one on either side, and that's two of the spots. Now those are relatively easy to fix. Pull the axle out, change the seal, put the axle back in, boom, you're home free. Yeah. Now the third one is the rear cover. That cover on there is glued on with a RTV. And if it's not yeah. put on properly, it'll leak there. Again, fairly easy fix. Pull the cover, clean it up, let it drop, glue back on there, glue it back on. Now, the fourth one is the pinion seal. That's where the drive shaft goes into the yoke. That yeah. is a major, major deal. The reason being, that seal doesn't just start leaking. When that seal is leaking, it's generally because the pinion bearing behind it is bad. The shaft is wobbling, and that's what beats seal up. Now, to make it worse, there's a part behind it called a crush sleeve. That crush sleeve, every time you tighten that nut on the yoke, crushes, and it can only be used one time. I've seen yeah. people take that nut off, take the yoke off, pop a seal in there, put the yoke back on. You're going to eat the differential to pieces. It'll kill your differential if you do that. The proper right. fix is you have to take the carrier out, take the pinion out, take the crush sleeve off, change the bearings if they're bad, new crush sleeve, put it back in, reset it up, new seal, and then you're fixed. But you don't want to end up making a $1,600 job out of a $300 job by eating up a set of gears or something. Right. Because they got the crush lever in there wrong. It's just differential work is very, very specialized. Uh, I got one guy that does nothing but that at the shop. And yeah. you might go on my website, there's an article on this very topic. Just type in something like differential in the search bar, and it'll bring up a lot of articles on it. And there's one on just on those pinion seals. shows you how they work all right. and all that kind of stuff. So the main thing is to look to see where it's leaking from. Yes, sir. If you look in there, if it's coming out around where the dry shaft goes in, then you got yeah. a pretty big problem. If it's anywhere okay. else, it's not so bad. All right. All right. Sounds good. I'll check it out. All okay, right. Thank Ralph. you very much. Thank you, man. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And let's see. Do we have to take a quick break? He says we can roll. All so right. we're going back to lines with Clarence. Good morning, Clarence. Hello. How are you doing? Doing great, good morning. sir. All right. Look, i got an 88 Porsche uh-huh. 944. Uh-huh. I can't find the drain tube for the air conditioning. You know, the water with yeah. the drip. Yeah, Clarence, you are asking probably the absolute worst guy in the world about that because I don't work on European cars at all. I'm trying to think. I don't I've, remember. We used to do alignment on them, and the water always dripped on my head when I was under there. So <laughs> it's up on the right-hand side about just behind the wheel somewhere. And I think it kind of comes down through the floor if I'm go- I'm just going by my memory. Clarence, if you shoot me an email, I will look that up and service data for you and try to let you know. I just don't know off the top of my head. Okay. Just I go, appreciate go it. Go to the website. Go to the website. Use just, the form that's on the website. Right. And you can get right. your questions answered. Right. right. I'll look it up for you and I'll send you an answer. Okay. I appreciate it. Okay, Clarence. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Hi, right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we got to take a quick little break. But Chris, Liz, Susie, Hango, you guys be straight up after the break. Lie back and tell me what's stressing you out, Mister Hevoted Supervillain, Arch Nemesis of Good. I have electric superpowers. Blah blah blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, Doctor. The pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par. Melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. Uh, Some days, 
I just want a garden. Hey, Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know Agco could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G19 thermonuclear urban assault car copter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, president of Echo Automotive. i got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Between two of us, I believe we can answer just about any questions you might have, as long as it ain't about a Porsche. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the phone lines with Chris. Good morning, Chris. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing Good great, morning. sir. Hey, i got an old truck, an 02 Ford F-150 with okay. a little thick finish. Yes, sir. Uh, Looks like new, but it's got almost three hundred thousand miles. Yeah, I was gonna say it has great. to be a six cylinder because that F one fifty six cylinder that's the best engine ever built. Man, they should have yeah, stuck with what, it. I've never had a bit of trouble. I know. I've never put any major money on it. Right, you know, I just changed the fuel pump, you know, but mm-hmm. I never really had any major trouble. Right, great truck. But let me tell you. Let me ask you something. Y'all were talking about transmission. Mm-hmm. The way you say might not be too good. I had it done the last couple of times. I've had it done where they dropped the pan too way yes, back in mm-hmm. the day. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. So mm-hmm. now I'm gonna get it done again and yes, do sir. it do it the way y'all said yes, do it. Mm-hmm. When, I, when you put it in drive, mm-hmm. like it goes, drive is now second. Yeah, that's probably not going to be in the transmission, Chris. That is a little indicator on the dash. Those go out all the time. And that can okay. be fixed relatively easily. Oh, good. Uh, thought, you can buy that little, no, it. probably not, as long as it's shifting good. There is a little indicator that we change them all the time for folks, and that little thing's made out of plastic. It just wears out, and it starts lining up in the wrong spot and sticking and hanging up, and it'll show okay. park when you're in drive and just all kind of craziness. All but right. Yeah, hey. not, not too big a deal. You bring it in to Josh to service it, uh, just tell him that, and he can get you that little part and change it out for you. And let me ask you this. With that many miles on, like I say, the the truck's so good, but I know anything can happen at any time. It could. I mean, it could. Are, are there some something you might would do to it just to help it out or something when it gets that many miles Chris, on? Chris, when it? you got that many miles on, there's not a whole lot you could be able to do. Obviously, you could go in, drop the pan, retorque the valve body bolts, check and see if there's any adjustment on the bands that can be done. Look and see. You know, if I drop the pan and there's a handful of metal and a snap ring laying in the pan, I'm going to probably just tell you, hey, let's put this thing back on and start making your plans because you know you're fixing you're close to the end. Mm-hmm. If the pan is relatively clean, not a lot of metal in it, I mean, I'd service it, put a new filter on it, and just go on knowing that, hey, it could fail. But, again, it's kind of like a man 90 years old. He could go at any time, but, heck, he could live to be 110 also. Right, right. You know, a long time ago, this was years ago, and it didn't have near this many miles, and I was using it for work traveling a few states. Mm -hmm. And when it get on steep hills, it kind of jerk a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. And this might uh, you might not recommend doing this. Somebody had told me I went and bought some of that transmission additive. Yeah. And believe it or not, it it quit doing it. I ain't never done it again. Yeah, see, that didn't help it, though. Chris, it was probably a little bit low on fluid, and you just put something in there, and it filled it up, and so it covered up. That's what made it fix it. you got to watch all that kind of junk because a lot of it has seal swellers in there. It swells the seals up, and then Uh it makes them deteriorate, and you end up wiping the whole transmission out where you only had a minor problem before. But most time when that stuff helps, it's actually because it's low on fluid, and you just dump a quart of fluid. (laughs) I got you. All righty. All right, thanks, y'all. Okay, Chris, thank you, man. Bye-bye. I remember you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. We've got Liz has been patiently holding. Good morning, Liz. Good morning. How yes. you doing, Liz? Doing great, ma'am. Good. 
My husband's in the shower and he hollers, Carl Lewis, quick. <laughs> I don't know if we can help with shower. I can't problems. help with shower. <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah. I've got a 96 Cadillac DeVille. Okay. 127,000 miles on Alrighty. it. Alrighty. Never had any AC problems at uh-huh. all uh-huh. until now. Okay. And what this thing is doing is seems to be engine or coolant temperature related. Okay. Simultaneously, the engine has been, the coolant rather, has been running about 220, 222. Okay. If you're just doing local driving uh-huh. for maybe 30 minutes, it'll yeah. climb up that high in this weather that we had been having before right, the right. fell. When that happens, it doesn't happen like this all the time, uh-huh. but more times than not, when that happens, the AC just clicks off. We will, yes, right. ma'am. When the car starts to overheat, it's going to shut the AC off because it's a, trying it's to. It's an auto protection. Right, it's type trying deal. to save the engine, and it, taking the load of the air conditioner off cuts the heat load on the engine, so it automatically will shut the AC down. Okay. So what you need to do is find out why the temperature is going too high. That sounds almost like you may have a cooling fan that's not coming on when it should. And see, when the cooling fan doesn't work, number one, the engine temperature will start to rise. But more importantly, the high side of the air conditioner will start to really rise because it's not getting the air through the condenser. Well, and, that's what my mechanic thought. Well, we yeah. had this thing serviced to the tune of about $900. Right. Because we had a leak. We had a, uh, right. a coolant leak. Yeah. So he fixed that. Mm-hmm. And you might know the whole time he had the car, which was two weeks, mm-hmm. The air conditioner worked just perfectly. <laughs> and yeah. then a week after I got it home, bam, it went yeah, off again. Yeah, just a coincidence. I don't think it's anything he would have done. But the condenser fan not working, extremely important to get this fixed right away, Liz, because what's happening is that high side pressure is going up real high. It'll wipe out the compressor. So you'll end up with a much bigger job than, oh, than you got now. So get don't use it until you can get it back in and have that fixed. But I'll bet you it's either going to be the fan motor itself is not working or there's a little controller that controls it. It may not be working. Could be a wire that's, that's burned up also. But, yeah, he's probably not getting a condenser fan operating, and that's what's causing both your problems. I see. All righty. Okay. When you say don't use it, you mean don't use the AC. Don't turn the AC. That's right. right. Okay. And fortunately, it's cool enough where you can ride around without it right now. Well, you... it went out on me yesterday. Yeah. It was it was running fine, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the thing just quit putting out cool exactly. air. Exactly. Right. And see, that's the what car happens, trying to protect itself. What happens is is that the air conditioner is on. You right. can hear yeah. it running, yeah, it's still but running. nothing comes out the vent. Right. It just shuts the compressor it and shuts all off. It the blower right. off, it mm-hmm. feels like. Yeah, it may. It may. The car is trying to protect itself. Okay. Thank you so Alrighty. very much. All righty, ma'am. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Boy, I tell you, do we have time for one more call? One more. One more, <laughs> but it's got to be quick. Ronnie's been holding. Ronnie, can you make it quick? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, I have a 
So that would be you pull the vacuum line off, shake it. If any gas comes out, then that's going to be your problem. Go ahead and change that fuel pressure regulator. If not, call me back next week, and I can give you some more answers. We're just totally out of time for today. Or actually go to the website and send you that's an right. email. That's right. We'll send me an email either way. Too. Get, get answered that way. Hey, I want to thank everybody for listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and all during the week. That's right. Appreciate hearing from you. Go ahead and send us those emails, and, hey, give us a call if you get a chance. There you go. Really like hearing from you. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.